Welcome to Sound Prince Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prince is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushevel. I'm your host for this week's magazine. This is Sound Prince for the week of November 5, 2017. Here are some updates on the 2017 KCB Conference and Convention coming up on November 17 and 18 at the Ramada Inn North, 1041 Zorn Avenue in Louisville. The theme is Hit a Home Run with KCB, and the low-tech exhibit area is called the Souvenir Stand. It features information, useful products for work and home, gifts, jewelry, and crafts, and will be open on Friday afternoon from 4 to 6 and on Saturday morning from 8.30 until 11. Most exhibitors in this area will be there both days. The American Printing House for the Blind will have a table with their low-tech products on display in this area, but that table will only be open on Friday. The scoreboard technology exhibit area will be open on Saturday morning only. It will be there from 8.30 until 11. Sit down at a table with representatives from VFO, Freedom Scientific, HEMS, Humanware, Eschenbach, and the Printing House. The Preserving the Record Book workshop on Friday is at 2 p.m. It's jam-packed with tips for preserving photos, audio, and video. Our panel includes Michael Hudson, Director of the American Printing House Museum, David Trott of Talladega, Alabama, from the ACB History Committee, Brian Bartucci, Studio Manager of the Kentucky Talking Book Library, and Rick Boggess, KCB Secretary, sponsored by the Tri-State Library Users. Pre-registration for the convention is open until November 14. Registration is required whether you plan to attend one event or the entire weekend. Pre-registration is $8 or $10 at the door. The first pitch lunch at noon on Friday and the ballpark lunch on Saturday are $6 pre-registration, $10 at the door. The All-Star Dinner is on Friday evening at 6. The speakers are Beth Kuhn, Commissioner of the Kentucky Workforce Development Cabinet, and Becky Cabe, Acting Director of the Kentucky Office for Vocational Rehabilitation. Life Membership Certificates will be presented to the new KCB Life Members for 2017. We already have 14 new Life Members so far this year. It's catered by Halls. Tickets are $15 in advance and $18 at the door. Plan to stay after the dinner for the Neil Simon Play California Suite presented by the Imagine Blind Players. It starts at 8.15 and ends around 10.15. The Jim Shaw World Series Banquet is on Saturday evening. It begins at 5.30 and David Trott, ACB Treasurer from Talladega, Alabama, will be the speaker. We'll be presenting the William A. Ruth, James Carl Dotson, and Anna Rose and Louis Kane Awards. Feast on fried chicken, roast beef, potatoes au gratin, veggies, salads, and desserts. Catered by Halls, $15 in advance, $18 at the door. At 8 p.m. following the banquet is the Grand Slam auction. Get ready to bid and buy. Don't be outdone by somebody else. And support KCB and your favorite KCB chapters. A special note for any member attending from outside the Metropolitan Louisville area. 
We know it's more costly for you to attend the convention than it is for people who live here in Louisville. Therefore, KCB is offering a $75 stipend to help with your travel expenses. If you are coming from out of town or if you just want to stay at the hotel and not hassle with TARC 3, you need to make reservations right away. Convention room rates at the Ramada are $80 a night for up to four people in a room. Your room includes free Wi-Fi and free breakfast. A microwave and a small refrigerator are in each room. Call the Ramada at 502-897-5101 right away to make reservations and be sure to tell them that you are with the Kentucky Council of the Blind in order to obtain the discounted rate. Check-in time at the hotel is 3 p.m. Check-out is noon. For more information and to pre-register by phone using your credit card, call us at 502-895-4598. Local Lions Clubs across the country and around the world are organized into zones and districts. Many people who are blind or visually impaired belong to local Lions Clubs. A number of them have held offices in their clubs, from tail twister to lion tamer to vice president and president. But far fewer have served as zone chairs, and fewer still have become district governors. Lion Jack Link of St. Louis, Missouri, just completed his term as district governor, and he is the first totally blind person to serve in that capacity in his area. He reviewed some of his experiences as district governor on the November conference call meeting of the American Council of Blind Lions. We think you'll find his remarks, featured here on page 2, to be informative and interesting. Mobility for people who are blind or visually impaired is a big deal. Getting from one place to another, whether by air, by car, or walking, presents challenges at one time or another for most of us. Page 3 this week is our gas page. First, there's an article about General Motors testing of its autonomous vehicle. Then, there's an article about airlines and rulings from the Department of Transportation concerning accessible airport kiosks used for checking in, obtaining boarding passes, choosing seat assignments, checking luggage, etc., and DOT rulings requiring accessibility of airlines' websites. Then there's an article important to those of us who use sidewalks. Hear about a new type of crosswalk being tested in a village in Iceland. It's thought to slow traffic and thus could contribute to pedestrian safety. The Eagle is the highest award in Boy Scouting. The award requires years of hard work by the boy and much dedication by his family. Over the years, the eagle has been earned by several boys who are blind or visually impaired. Now we read about triplets who are blind and who all at the same time earned their Eagle Scout Award. A truly amazing feat and a wonderful story. Read it on page 4. Blind and visually impaired people work in many different kinds of jobs, but I don't think there are too many bakers who are visually impaired. We bring you an article on page 5 about Karina's Bakery in Beaverton, Oregon, where everyone who works there is blind or visually impaired. And on page 6 is the Sound Prince calendar. Page 2. Lion Jack is here with us tonight, and he is going to talk to us about um, his experiences as district governor this past year. Lion Jack, I will turn the floor over to you. All right.
Right. Well, I don't know if I'll go in too much to, you know, we, uh, district governors are installed at the International Convention. Of course, we were in Fukuoka City, Japan, the city about the size of Philadelphia or Phoenix, right in that neighborhood of population. We had a little difficulty. We, we uh, were in the parade and got through the parade fine, and uh, our council chair was talking to us, said, you know, just said if you want to uh, stay around for the rest of the parade, you can or whatever, and we're just standing there talking. All of a sudden, everybody's gone. June and I are standing there by ourselves. Oh, my. In a country, you know, a foreign country where not, <clears throat> not too many around us are speaking English or whatever, and we're going to figure out how we're going to find a bus to get back to the hotel. <laughs> so we finally did, and we went and talked to them at the at the convention center, and what they did was for the rest of the convention, they provided a person, a local person, to come. They didn't actually need to come to meet us at the hotel, but they did, and they rode the bus over with us to the stadium, helped us find seats, and then came back and, and helped us find places to eat and, uh, you know, what was on the menu because the folks over there didn't speak much English except they could tell you what your bill was in excellent English, <laughs> but not much else. So shopping was interesting. So they helped June do some shopping and get some uh, mementos and things of that nature. So anyway, that worked out. Then the, the last night we were there, <clears throat> kind of neat experience. We had the, um, we went to this, buffet supper at the Hilton Hotel and we got up there and we had the same deal but the people didn't speak much English so we're wondering how are we going to know what's on the buffet and it happened to be that there were some folks there from the London Royal Ballet who were in town for a couple of days they had I think in either the next day or the day after they were doing a performance they were touring Japan and so they helped us get our supper and ate with us, and it's quite an interesting evening. As far as being district governor, the one concern that the past district governors had, the one that approved your candidacy, was would I be able to get to all of our visits? So you have around 38 or 39 clubs to visit. Uh, we did visit every one but one, and that was only because we had a scheduling conflict, had two meetings the same evening. So the first and second vice district governors took that meeting. So that all worked out. We got the transportation between a member of our club and the district secretary and maybe on one or two other occasions somebody else were able to get to all the visits. Uh, no district governor does this all on his or her own, or they shouldn't try to. And even as a visually impaired person, it's even more uh, apparent, you know, that, that, that you need all kinds of assistance. And Lion June was my, well, it always is my right hand, but even more. At these meetings, uh, the visits, we had to uh, hand out almost all of them. We hit these, uh, what they call them, Monarch Awards or, or uh, 
every five years you get a an award, you know, for multiples of five from Lions Clubs International, and so we hand those out in addition to banners and my pin that I had designed. <clears throat> uh, so she had to keep track of all that and all the names and the one club, two clubs we visited. One there were like 25 chevrons to hand out, and the other one I think there were closer to 30. So what she finally did was she gave me a printed list, and I took it to work, and I read the names with Sarah Reader and brailed them up, and so I had them. So we worked together as a team, but it does take all all kinds of things of that nature for a district governor to be successful. And I wasn't successful in the one sense that we didn't gain in members. There were three districts in our state that did. We would have, except one club, which really was a club on paper. This guy was paying dues for 20-some people, and some of these people, when we talked to them, they didn't even know they were in the club. Mm. But they mm. folded during my term, and so we lost that 24 members, and in that, that's why we ended up in the negative. Otherwise, we would have had a, a positive for the year. So all in all, it was still. Uh, we had another club that had one member, and they were just keeping it going until he either died or and finally did, I think, join another club because he was like 88 or 89. So it was, it was a club in name only. And we started, we're in the process of starting two new clubs, but we didn't get them finished before the end of my term, so I didn't get the credit for those members. Again, it probably would have been in positive territory. So uh, it's an interesting experience. Um, a, well, everybody needs assistance, but a visually impaired person needs even that much more assistance for transportation and seeing that everything is uh, as it's supposed to be for the meetings. Uh, June kept track of, so we got a real nice briefcase when we were in Japan. They gave all of the governors, incoming governors, this, this real nice, it's on rollers and it's uh a number of compartments for so keep the agenda and my speech <clears throat> um, in there and just so keep track of all of that stuff. The my uh, theme for last year dovetailed really well with President Bob Corlew's uh, theme, and that's. Last year was the last time for a while that they will have a presidential theme. They're just going to go back to the We Serve motto. <clears throat> and his theme was New Mountains to Climb. And mine was Insight Breaks Down Barriers. And, you know, mountains used to be barriers in the, when they covered wagons and tried to get around them and what, or over them or whatever, but they aren't anymore. And so, you know, we always, there's always a way to overcome barriers. So worked really well that that was the two themes it was a neat experience it, it does take a lot of time doing all these club visits and some districts are bigger than uh, ours except that what they've done now and 
they say it isn't mandatory to visit all the clubs, and our district still likes to do that. But in one of the districts in our state has 50-some clubs. They divide it up between the three, the second vice, first vice, and district governor, so that by the time you've finished your governor's term, you will have visited all the clubs, but you don't have so many to visit each year. It, it, it really was, I, I'm glad I did it. Uh, I was the first, as far as we know, the first totally blind district governor in our district and in our state. We had one visually, or two visually impaired, uh, no, one visually impaired in our district before and one in the neighboring district. But I was first totally blind district, and that's not why I ran. Like some politicians, they got to be the first this or that. But it, I just chose, once I was a zone chair, I could run, and I did. I think it all worked out very well. Unfortunately, you do get to see the political side of things, and that's not always the most enjoyable. But uh, if I had to do it again, uh, if, you know, if I ever moved to another district, I probably wouldn't do it in this district, but unless it's an emergency. But if I was a district and had to do it again, I might might do it if, if June didn't shoot me first. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Lion Jack, I've good. got a question for All you. Right. Um, this Lion Ray. Um, it, in addition to club visits, and we have a, a good friend in our club that's a, that was a past district governor too, um, you have to go to a number of events uh, around the state. Um, I don't know Council of Governors in Missouri, but uh, we have. Uh, how, how did you get to all those? Because of where they were, the, the one in the summer in July is always at the state. They do a football game to raise money for saving site mm-hmm. or site first, whichever one it is. I can't remember. Uh, the train goes right there. Now, what I did, because it saved a few shekels, I took the train to Jefferson City where my good friend, another our district governor in our group, would pick us up and, and take us to Warren's Bird. Okay. Uh, and then the other the other Council of Governors meetings were at places around the Lake of the Ozarks. So, again, I just took the train to Jefferson City, and he picked us up because and, and, he was going there anyway, and then take us. Um, and then the other thing we had was six cabinet meetings because they were – so I had to get – some of the, I tried to move those around a little bit and not have them all the same place. So three of them, uh, two or three of them were in the St. Louis uh, area, which I could do call a ride. The others were in another at another club, and the cabinet secretary, we would meet at a, uh, we'd take call a ride to a restaurant, and she would pick us up and, would go to the cabinet meetings. Other questions for Jack? Lion Jack? Okay, Lion Grady, you had a question? Yes, ma'am. I didn't hear. I would like Lion Jack to explain how he, how the selection process goes, how he, how, knows how he goes from from a member in his his, his local affiliate <clears throat> to how to, how to, to 
being district governor. Okay. I'd be happy to do that. Um, first of all, in order to, you have to serve as club pre well, and I guess there are extenuating circumstances, but and normally you have to have served as club president in order to be selected as a zone chair. Uh, the other way that you can be eligible to run for district governor is to have served either as secretary or treasurer in the cabinet, district cabinet. So either a zone chair, and we don't have region chairs anymore. I don't know how many districts do. But as you can, if you have been a zone chair or a cabinet secretary or treasurer, you are eligible to run for district governor. You, well, you run for second vice district governor first, and then if you haven't made too many people upset, then they move you on up to first vice district and then district governor. That's any state? That's that's. That's that's from uh, yes, that's from LCI. That's a normal procedure for any district. Okay. So you you serve as club president, and then you can move on up to a zone chair. Again, the, your zone chairs are selected by the district governor. So I fortunately had a district governor who thought I could serve in that capacity, and her husband was the uh, partially sided district governor here in. Um, the early 90s so you know she was aware uh, visual impairment was not a problem for her okay good question and then any other questions for lion jack any other questions okay well, that's very interesting i will just say that that uh LCI was very good at getting stuff to us, and we we got uh, we were good enough on the computer, I guess, to handle most of it. Whatever we could not, some things they sent PDFs and whatever we couldn't handle that, they would send us in hard copy. And so there again, there's a way to work around all of these things. So you found that they were able to um, where things were maybe not accessible in one way that they did accommodate, make accommodations so that you would have access to the information. Right, and, and this was a first for a lot of them. They had not dealt with, although there have been uh, totally blind district governors before, but not so much was done on the Internet until recently. Right. And so, in fact, I had hoped. Uh, I didn't know how the process worked. There was there's a past international director in Minnesota who is blind, and I wanted her to come to our convention, but it was uh, already arranged for our speaker before I had a chance to ask her. So, last call. Any other questions for Jack? Well, thank you very much. APH is nearby explorer is a full-featured GPS app for iOS and Android devices that empowers users to travel with confidence. It uses GPS and your phone's compass to speak real-time information about your surroundings, including millions of points of interest in the U.S. and Canada. Nearby Explorer is available on Google Play and on the App Store. Send 
to Braille is a free tool for creating a Braille file quickly in Windows. It adds a shortcut to your Send to Folder menu. Once installed, simply point to a file, right-click, select Send to, select Braille to create a quick Braille file instantly. Download Send to Braille from the American Printing House for the Blind at tech.aph.org slash lt. Page 3. This article was posted on the Leadership List by Kelly Gask on October 25, 2017 and is entitled, GM Will Test Fully Autonomous Cars in Quarters, Not Years. CEO Mary Barra says, This article is from CNBC.com. General Motors will begin testing driverless cars in a matter of quarters, not years. CEO Mary Barra said Tuesday, GM's efforts to jumpstart research and development in self-driving cars seem to be paying off. The automaker's recent strides in the area have boosted its reputation among investors. GM and Cruise Automation recently deployed our latest generation self-driving electric test vehicle, Barra said on a conference call. We believe it will meet the redundancy and safety requirements necessary to operate without a driver. She spoke after the automaker reported third quarter earnings that beat expectations on the top and bottom lines. Barra attributed Cruz's success in part to the fact that it is testing the cars in complex environments such as San Francisco, which she called one of the most complex urban environments anywhere. In this environment, we encounter almost 50 times more interactions with pedestrians and other vehicles in complex road intersections compared to driving in a suburban environment, Barra said. This testing is accelerating our deployment of self-driving technology, and we believe it will put us on the path, the fastest path, to deploying self-driving cars safely and at scale. The company is also considering London and Berlin as test markets, Barra said. Earlier in October, GM said it plans to begin testing its cars in a section of downtown Manhattan. GM's stock jumped in early October as Buzz began to build over its position in autonomous vehicles and other trends in transportation that have captured investor attention. Share prices are up 32% this year. In contrast, Ford stock has risen less than 1%. And Tesla's shares have risen almost 60%. We think GM's proactive approach is allowing the company to move faster than most peers with in-house intellectual property related to electrical drivetrains, shared vehicle platforms, and autonomous vehicle hardware and software. Piper Jeffrey analyst Alexander Potter said in a note Tuesday, Because of momentum in this segment, We think investors will grow increasingly comfortable applying a higher-than-average multiple to the GM's earnings stream. Barra also said the company is exploring its options on how it would deploy and monetize an autonomous fleet. This article was posted on October 25th by Kelly Gask 
and is entitled DOT Enters Agreements with Airlines to Increase Availability of Accessible Airport Kiosks and Accessible Airline Mobile Websites. This press release is from the Transportation.gov website. Washington. The U.S. Department of Transportation, DOT, announced today that it has reached agreements with Alaska Airlines, Virgin America, and Spirit Airlines to expand greatly the availability of airport kiosks that will be accessible to individuals with disabilities. DOT also reached an agreement with All Nippon Airways, N-I-P-P-O-N, ANA to make the airline's mobile website accessible for individuals with disabilities. The department is committed to making transportation more accessible for everyone, said Secretary Elaine L. Chow. These agreements will ensure greater accessibility and improve the flying experience for individuals with disabilities. Under DOT rules, airlines are required to ensure that any automated kiosk they install after December 12, 2016 at U.S. airports with an annual employment of 10,000 or more is an accessible model until at least 25% of the kiosks in each airport location are accessible. DOT mandates that 25% of kiosks must be accessible by December 12, 2023. Airlines are also required to ensure that their websites are accessible, but there is no requirement for airlines to ensure that their mobile websites are accessible. Alaska Airlines slash Virgin America, Spirit Airlines, and ANA self-reported their temporary inability to comply with these rules and offered to instead adopt measures providing greater accessibility to individuals with disabilities than required under DOT rules. The department reached agreement with these airlines to not take enforcement action against them with their temporary non-compliance with the department's kiosk-slash-website rules in return for the airlines undertaking measures to make air travel more accessible for persons with disabilities. Under the agreement, Spirit Airlines will make at least 50% of its kiosks at U.S. airports accessible by December 31, 2017, almost six years before it would be required to do so under DOT rules. Alaska Airlines slash Virgin America agreed to ensure that at least 50% of its kiosks at U.S. airports are accessible to passengers with disabilities by December 31, 2019. This is significantly more accessible kiosks than required under DOT rules at a much earlier date. In addition, under both agreements, the airlines will install only accessible kiosks in the future, so that ultimately 100% of the airline's kiosks will be accessible to passengers with disabilities. Kiosks installed at U.S. airports are used for a variety of functions, such as printing boarding passes and baggage tags, scanning passports to check-in, and canceling or rebooking tickets. The department's agreement with ANA specifies that the airline's mobile site must conform to the World Wide Web Consortium, WC3, 
Mobile Web Best Practices, MWBP, and that the airlines must consult with individuals with disabilities regarding the mobile site's accessibility and usability no later than November 2018. This agreement will increase access to individuals with disabilities as many individuals use mobile devices even more than traditional computers for web browsing. DOT is committed to using all tools available to improve the flying experience of individuals with disabilities. Today, in addition to the issuance of these agreements, the Department is posting on its website two interactive guides designed to supplement disability-related trainings that airlines are required to provide to their personnel and contractors under DOT rules. DOT worked closely with disability rights organizations, airlines, and airports to ensure that these guides are of optimal use. The interactive guides and other helpful disability-related information can be found on DOT's website www.transportation.gov slash airconsumer A-I-R-C-O-N-S-U-M-E-R slash disability dash training. The department also meets regularly with disability rights organizations to better understand the air travel experiences of passengers with disabilities and to provide information to individuals with disabilities about their rights under the Air Carrier Access Act and the department's disability regulation. The department is committed to finding solutions to barriers that may make travel difficult for persons with disabilities, including taking enforcement action if appropriate. The most recent enforcement action was in July 2017 against a U.S. airline assessing a $400,000 civil penalty for violating the department's over-sales and disability rules. Additional information on the Department's commitment to providing passengers with disabilities with equal access to air transportation can be found at www.transportation.gov slash airconsumer slash disability. The agreements are available at www.regulations.gov. The agreement with Alaska Airlines and Virgin America is in docket DOT-OST-2017-0168. The agreement with Spirit Airlines is in docket DOT-OST-2017-0169 and the agreement with ANA is in docket DOT-OST-2017-0167. This next article was posted by Eugene Lozano on the ACB Leadership List on November 1, and it's entitled, 3D Crosswalk in Iceland is a Stunning Optical Illusion. The following information was posted on the ACB Leadership List on November 1 by Eugene Lozano of California. His email reads, 
I have received an email from a traffic engineer regarding a very interesting three-paragraph article titled 3D Zebra Stripe Crosswalk in Iceland Slows Traffic with Stunning Optical Illusion. It includes four photographs and two videos. Um, Eugene posts the links to the articles and the videos, but he has the following information in the email as well. First of all, the description of the photos. The photographs show a single crosswalk without the two parallel linear crosswalk lines, which are normally found at a marked crossing. Within the area of the crosswalk are seven white rectangle pavement markings evenly distributed between the two opposite ends of the crosswalk. The seven rectangles are oriented so that the longer sides of the pavement markings are perpendicular to the direction you are walking. To create the three-dimensional optical illusion, the designers have used two different shades of gray to give the appearance of shadows around the sides of the rectangles. This may be a crosswalk design you may want to share with your local Department of Transportation and to request that a pilot project be considered at a crossing where there is a high risk of conflict between motorized vehicles and pedestrians. And now for the article. 3D Zebra Stripe Crosswalk in Iceland Slows Traffic with Stunning Optical Illusion by Jessica Stewart October 24, 2017 the use of illusion in art is nothing new, but a small town in Iceland is using the effect to help with public safety and traffic issues. In a small Icelandic fishing village, a 3D pedestrian crossing was painted last month in an effort to slow traffic on a narrow street. The eye-popping illusion gives the effect of walking on air as pedestrians move from one side of the street to the other. Environmental Commissioner Ralph Trilla came up with the idea after seeing a similar project in New Delhi, India. Trilla was researching creative ideas on how to slow traffic when he stumbled upon the India project and came together with a street painting company to create the effect. They experimented for several weeks before perfecting the technique and painting the crosswalk. The visual effect is striking as the optical illusion shifts depending on your perspective. From the air, the white stripes jump up, making them appear as a column of walls, while at ground level, the bars seem to hover just above the ground. Right now, the project is experimental, with the town seeing what effect the creative zebra crossing will have before deciding if they'd like to roll it out in other areas of the village. Page 4. Kelly Gask posted this article on October 27, 2017. It's entitled, Blind Triplets Make History with Eagle Scout Recognitions. As elementary school students, blind triplets Leo, Nick, and Stephen Cantos were bullied, had few friends, and no role models. But that changed when, at the age of 10, 
blind attorney and Crystal City resident Ali Cantos became their mentor after learning about them through a friend at church. He legally adopted them two years ago and turned their lives around. I didn't have friends. My brothers were the only people. That was it, Nick Cantos said. I was essentially shut in for seven years, and I was a violent kid. I got into fights with people because I was being bullied in school. It ended up getting so bad that I wanted to end my life. Dad really saved my life. A ceremony on Wednesday night marked how far they have come, having also graduated from Wakefield High School earlier this year. At the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Alexandria, the brothers became the first-ever blind triplets to be honored as Eagle Scouts in the history of Boy Scouts of America. To become Eagle Scouts, the highest honor in scouting, candidates must complete a slew of assignments, including tasks like first aid, knot tying, leadership, and orientation. It also requires community service and six months or more spent in leadership positions at their troop. Each also had to lead a community service project. Stephen Cantos collected school supplies for low-income school children for nonprofit Aspire after school. He also volunteered with the organization, which helps children improve their reading, and had intended to collect enough supplies for 90 students. When the supply drive was over, he had collected enough for 130 students. They go in and help kids read in a more advanced way, since they feel that reading is the first thing that kids need to learn, and then they learn other things if they can read better. Stephen Cantos said, The project stemmed from the fact that I'd already volunteered a bit of time with them, so I wanted to give some more time. I decided that education is important, so let's give them school supplies. Leo Cantos collected blood and blankets for Innova Fairfax Hospital, a children's hospital where he spent a month relearning how to walk. He finished with 88 units of blood and 77 blankets, all donated by local people he had recruited. I wanted to give back to the kids because I saw the kids there and I saw how they were not doing too well, Leo Cantos said. I wanted to give them a better experience, kind of like the one I had in the hospital, but extended to them as well. And Nick Cantos collected donations of hygiene supplies for nonprofit Doorways for Women and Families, which helps people out of homelessness and away from domestic violence and sexual assault. He collected about $2,000 worth of supplies to donate to the organization. It took a lot of planning. It took a lot of work and papers, Nick Cantos said. The craziest part was seeing all my scout friends and leaders and brothers helping me to do this and me managing this thing. And while they could have gotten extended time to complete their requirements to be Eagle Scouts due to their blindness, they chose not to. Ali Cantos said that decisions were made to show that being blind does not need to be a hindrance. We were absolutely intent on not asking for any extensions, he said. It wasn't what we wanted to do. I wanted the boys to learn a lesson, a positive lesson, that we keep saying blindness is just a disability and it's not really a big deal. 
So if it's not a big deal, why do we need to make an exception? That's just us. One of the biggest challenges for the brothers was the swimming requirement, as none of them had spent much time in the water before. But in the summer of 2014, they were all able to dive in, swim to a target with the aid of voice assistance, and then swim back. All the while, they were cheered on by their fellow scouts and leaders at poolside. As I observed this moment, I thought to myself, there's no stopping them, said Scott Blakesley, a former leader at the church and scout troop, in a speech. More than that, I knew that you were going to continue to grow into wonderful, capable men of God. I hope you can take that experience as you go forward. With the brothers now graduated from high school, they will go to Boston in about six months to learn further life skills so they can become more independent. All three have ambitions to go to college. Stephen wants to study political science, go to law school and study copyright law and intellectual property rights. Nick wants to study marketing and go into the real estate industry. And Leo wants to study political science also before specializing in cyber law and working to make technology accessible to all. With all they have achieved already, U.S. Labor Secretary Alex Acosta, who worked with Ali Cantos at the U.S. Department of Justice, said their futures look bright. There is no stopping you, and a large part of that is you. But a greater part of that is your family, said Acosta, who was among the crowd of around 100 family members, scouts, and well-wishers at the ceremony. It's you and your brothers and your dad together that show each other what courage is and what hard work is. And I have to say, there is no stopping you because you have done everything and you continue to do everything. Page 5. Kelly Gask of the ACB National Office in Alexandria, Virginia, posted the following article on the leadership list on October 30, 2017. It's entitled, Beaverton Vegan Baker is Legally Blind but Has a Clear Vision of the Future. This article is from katu.com. Beaverton, Oregon. There's a new vegan bakery in downtown Beaverton. And there's something special there that has a little to do with a wide variety of treats and a lot more to do with spunk, grit, and a vision, or lack thereof. If you had to pick one thing that stands out inside Karina's Bakery, it would probably be the luscious baked goods inspired by baker and CEO Karina Comer's Scandinavian heritage. But you might also notice the dogs peering out from beneath the counter. I didn't really want to shut them in all day while I was working. So I knew that the counter was going to be three feet wide, and I just decided to put a crate in there, Karina said. They can look out both at the customers and at me, and they can be together. Sutter and Ribbon are not only pets. They're guide dogs for Karina, who's legally blind, and her visually impaired employee, Laura Ward. Karina's other employees are also visually impaired. 
I am legally blind, and because of my love for baking and my struggle to find a place in the workplace, I wanted to open a bakery that employed people with disabilities, she said. Signs alert customers that the workers at Karina's are all visually impaired and to be patient. Karina has installed adaptive devices to assist them. The scales speak. So does the cash register. It takes us a little longer, Karina said. We're still getting used to our adaptive system that has its own little quirks. Karina relied on Scandinavian recipes for her menu and created new ones that are both savory and sweet. The Scandinavian almond cake is a bestseller. None of Karina's baked goods contain any animal products. It fits in well with what I am trying to do with this bakery because I want people to feel that they belong and are being treated right and I should do the same with the animals and the baked goods. For Laura Ward, Ribbon is her guide dog, being able to bake with Karina is an honor, she said. To maintain a lifestyle and to live, this is an awesome opportunity, Laura said. Karina caught the baking habit when she was a child. Brain tumors as a child may have robbed her of most of her sight, but not her vision for the future. I've been in the kitchen since I was five, she said, and people didn't believe when I told them I was going to have a bakery. I think my parents would have loved to have me go into a different direction. Her grandfather, however, would understand. Standing beneath a Swedish flag that used to fly from his sailboat in Connecticut, Karina credited him for a lot of her success. He started with nothing and then built his own store and built it up from there, she said. He inspires me a lot with the drive that he taught me and the entrepreneurship. Karina's Bakery is on the ground floor of a new La Scala apartment building on southwest Lombard Street, just south of Farmington Road. The grand opening is tentatively set for mid-November, but the bakery is up and running right now. Page 6. The Sound Prince Calendar. On November 7, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its next conference call meeting and support group at 8 p.m. on the conference line at 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. This meeting will feature a guest speaker. On November 8, the Kentucky Council of the Blind PR Membership Committee will meet at 8 p.m. on the conference line 605-475-6006, enter code 294444. On November 9, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision will have its first peer support group meeting of the month at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville from 1.30 to 3.30 p.m. Call 502-895-4598 for information and to sign up. Also on November 9, the Northern Kentucky Council of the Blind will have its meeting at 7 p.m. by conference call. The phone number is 605-475-4700, enter code 155-619. On November 10, the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Roundabout will include 
Education and Technology, beginning at 3.30. Discussion time and tip sheet, 5 to 6. Dinner, 6 to 7, $5 per person. Bingo, 7 to 9, $2 per person. And cards and crafts will also be available. Reader assistance will be available from 5 until 7.30. At United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville, call 502-895-4598 to sign up. November 11 is Codes, Ciphers, and Secret Messages. From 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. What does Braille have in common with Morse code, semaphore, shorthand, and ASCII? They're all codes. Join us to crack a few codes and to invent our own. For adults and children, 6 and up. At the American Printing House Museum, on Frankfurt Avenue in Louisville. For more information, call 502-899-2213. November 11 is the Greater Louisville Council of the Blind Board meeting at 11 a.m. on the conference line at 605-475-6006, intercode 294444. On November 12, KCB Next Generation will have its monthly conference call at 8 p.m. by phone on the same conference line, 605-475-6006, intercode 294444. Also on November 12 is a meeting of ACB families. It will be at 9 p.m. Eastern Time and will be on the conference line, 712-432-3900, intercode 796096. The guest speakers for this call will be Sharon Bensinger and Pauletta Feldman, who will talk about the founding of VIPS, the Visually Impaired Preschool Service in Louisville. This is a preschool program that serves children birth to five years. On November 14, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired, SAVVY, will have its next meeting from 1 to 3 p.m. Central Time at the Wing Avenue Baptist Church, 628 Wing Avenue in Owensboro. For more information, contact Rick Bogus at 270-684-4418. The speaker for this program is from Vanda Pharmaceuticals, and they will be discussing non-24-hour sleep disorder. November 17 and 18 is the Kentucky Council of the Blind State Conference and Convention. Hit a home run with KCB. Participate in workshops, programs, exhibits, food, and make good friends. Sponsored by the Kentucky Council of the Blind at the Ramada Inn North in Louisville, 1041 Zorn Avenue. Room rates are $80 per night plus tax for up to four people in a room. Make reservations by calling 502-897-5101. For more information, call KCB at 502-895-4598. On November 19, the Kentucky School for the Blind Alumni Association Board will meet at 8 p.m. by phone at 605-475-6006, intercode 294444. On November 20, the KCB Board meeting will be held at 7.30 p.m. on the same conference line. 605-475-6006, intercode 294444. 
On November 22, the Bluegrass Council of the Blind will have a Thanksgiving gathering from noon to 2 p.m. at the BCB office, 1093 South Broadway in Lexington. Call 859-259-1834 for more information. On November 25 is Family's Day Open House at the American Printing House for the Blind, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Visitors can write their names in Braille, see a book from Helen Keller's Bible, play games, and read books designed for children who are blind, and enjoy many other activities in the award-winning museum. See Denver the Guide Dog, a Discovery Channel video about how a puppy becomes a dog guide and is matched with a new owner. Holiday goodies and hot cider will be served for all ages. For more information, call the museum at 502-899-2213. On November 26, ACB Families will have its peer support group meeting for the month on the conference line at 712-432-3900, enter code 796096. The time is 9 p.m. Eastern Time. On November 27, Guide Dog Users of Kentuckyana have their November conference call at 7 p.m. by phone. Call 605-475-6006 and enter code 294444. And some dates in December include December 2, Christmas with the Council, 4.30 p.m. until 9 p.m. at United Crescent Hill Ministries in Louisville. Call 502-895-4598 for more information. On December 3 is the 6th Annual ACB Radio Holiday Auction, beginning at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on ACB Radio. For more information, visit acbradio.org or acb.org. On December 12, the Support Alliance of the Visually Impaired will hold its Christmas party from noon until 2.30 p.m. Join us for dinner, Dirty Santa gift exchange, $10 limit, and more. Wing Avenue Baptist Church in Owensboro. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind, or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club, and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody.